Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by the internet's most wanted man, Mr. Worldwide, Ryan. Ryan, how's it going, man? 305 to my city, Patrick. Um, I'm feeling amazing. Uh, it's another beautiful, sunny day here in Argentina. Um, God has shined in the Buckeyes once again. Um, my enemies have been vanquished, almost, kind of. Yeah. Um, they're at least they're at least mad online, which is pretty much the same thing as being vanquished. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're having a good week. Um, we have a new listener. We'd like to welcome uh, special teams coach Parker Fleming to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> special teams coach uh, who uh, followed our account over the weekend after I tweeted at him, what is his job? Mm-hmm. Um, so I pr- Parker, I, we're happy to have you. I pray I pray that I pray that he's actually listening to the show. We're going to make this one especially good just for you. I promise we're uh, yeah. we're going to not do any of the stupid stuff that we usually do on here. This one's going to be all mm. just good because uh, we are. There, there was a suggestion motivated. in a. There was a suggestion for a character for us that I, I think we have to avoid. It wasn't actually stretched to us, but it just was too juicy to avoid talking about the Twitter timeline. Yeah. Of uh of Muslim Jerry Jones. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that tweet from our buddy, our buddy Drew Ham. <laughs> <laughs> no. Of what that would be no, like. I had not seen uh, that. The the one joke I could find without kind of crossing any lines that he would he would be inviting Arkansas and Baylor to play a game uh at, at the Cobb. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, yeah that that is know. that is good. That's difficult land for you and me specifically to tread on because uh, I, mm. I personally I don't know enough to make any jokes. <laughs> I got I got shit going on. I know on. too much. <laughs> yeah, you know too and, much. And me, I I can't expose my role in the CIA counterterrorism unit to the yeah. rest of the country. So yeah, I gotta well, be careful. And we're gonna do the off season episode with you and Cavs Buckeyes. That's just exclusively the truth about the Middle East, and that's gonna be a premium yeah. only episode. Um, so those of you, you know, who, I'd love to do that. We can like we should just we should just have an episode in the off season where I just get to talk about my insane politics. People, <laughs> I just get to have like a I just have a debate show with like football guys who disagree with my politics. That'd yeah. be funny. Yeah, know. that would be that um, would be very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah we just, just bring getting we just them. bring on me talking about ukraine for what's up everyone's like what the fuck yeah <laughs> what's yeah going on getting we're, we're getting like like our most coveted guests ever and then just putting them in the torture chamber they have to listen to you for yeah. 50 minutes about china <laughs> yeah we're getting we're getting Stu mandel on to talk to me about, about xi jinping and whether he's actually a communist or not trying to um, trying to get a feel for just how deep Stu's knowledge is just to see <laughs> what, well, what are we thinking up there what are we working with um yeah, yeah that would be that would be really good uh that along with the of course the forthcoming uh long promise we've been saying this for years now uh the uh the verhoven trinity uh review podcast yeah. episodes we honestly be, should do we that. are actually going but, to do that yeah that one we will but actually do. what if uh, one really quick riff what if we also got bruce feldman to come on with Stu and he was just he was giving uh you know me and Stu were arguing and he's like he's like guys guys I don't give a fuck about quotations from Chairman Mao. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. I think that Bruce could play ball on that on that that episode. I think Bruce is is uh, is ready to go. I think that he probably there's more than meets the eye to uh, to, to Bruce. I'll say his, this: his Bruce is the kind knowledge. of guy. Bruce is the kind of guy. Just when you hear his voice, it sounds like he's had some five seventeen a.m. conversations at a kitchen. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Bruce every, is Bruce every, is with it. Everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> before we jump in here, uh, this is the week eleven recap. Also, just to just to say, <laughs> week twelve. It's week twelve. Uh, is it week twelve already? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Next week is week thirteen. Final that, week of the season. That's crazy. We just week twelve. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is also yep. <laughs> this is also the week twelve recap. Um, before we do that, 
this is a good week, I would say, to talk about uh, Meet at Midfield, meetatmidfield.com, because we've got, we've got, there's something going on at meetatmidfield.com this week. Is that, is that right? Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is basically, this is, this is what we do it for, right? Like this is, even if you like, so listen, our website, it's the internet's only combined Ohio State and Michigan website. Yeah. Um, no other ones exist, but the only place where you can get in the trenches with the freaks. And of course, this game is the biggest Ohio State Michigan game in, you know, 15 years. You yeah. Know, to go my 2006, right? 16 years, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it's a massive game. Obviously, tensions are very high mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Uh, and also, I mean, if you join now, you get an amazing discount to be part of it. Uh, it's if you use the code the game. It's 25% off forever. So if yep. you sign up annually, semi-annually, monthly, um, you get that discount for the rest of your time. You're on Meet at Midfield, which will be forever because you're not allowed to leave once you join. Yeah. Um, we kind of lock you in there. But uh, even if you're not a fan of Ohio State or Michigan, uh, we have a lot of just Big Ten and ACC fans in there, too. We have a pretty good crowd spreading. We even have a couple SEC fans popping up. There's Georgia mm-hmm. and Tennessee fans on there we've, now, we've too. Got, we've got a few. Pac- kind of sp- we even have a few Pac-12 guys, uh, which are very hard to get a hold of. We have discovered yeah. it is very difficult to reach out to the Pac-12 <laughs> guys, but we've got a couple on there, which we're excited yeah, about. Yeah, we have a TCU fan. Let's go. Uh, we have we have a UConn guy, obviously, our buddy Luke. Yeah. Um, a lot of other just random fan bases popping up on there because I, basically the, the flipping the field and meet at midfield brands are spreading the, the the brain the brain viruses are spreading to everybody else yeah um we're catching on and uh it's a really fun place man like even if you aren't a fan of one of these two teams we have a lot of other college football coverage too um it, it's just also an amazing time to be around fans of these two teams because yes. like the anxiety the anger the obsession is exactly what i think college football is all about it's the time of year to do it uh, and the energy on there is infectious. Like you'll, you'll find other guys, like these other fans are like lamenting that their rivalries aren't as insane as ours is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, if you are one of these fans, like if you, you need a release for your energy, you cannot go post normal people. You cannot be posting on a board that has also, you're posting like 53 year old guys who are like, you know, uh, business executives who are just yeah. like, I hope the Buckeyes win this week. Like, you can't be around those guys. Yeah, like, you know who like, your wife does not want to hear this shit. She does not need to yes. know what you're thinking this week. We, we like, it, it is a, it is a safe place to be as crazy as you want to be this week, which is, I think yeah. for Ohio state and Michigan fans specifically, very important and very attractive. But, uh, the the thing is, like, I, I can understand if you were listening to this as somebody who is not a fan of one of those teams, you might be a little bit spooked by, like, well, I'm not, I don't really care about those teams. Uh, the, the best thing that I can tell you as the person at the site who is not affiliated with either one of these schools, despite numerous allegations, um, <laughs> is that, uh, think of it like a zoo. You can think of it like a zoo where you can walk in and you can look at your favorite animals having a fight in the war zone thread that we have, which is combined Ohio State and Michigan. You can sort of stare through the glass and see uh, just what everything is, just what all is going on with the greatest rivalry in sports. Um, and then also the the idea behind the site is, as we said, I think when we launched it, um, Ohio State and Michigan is, is the springboard, but the core of the site is the conflict of rivalries. It's the conflict of college football. Yeah. It is the the passion that goes into these games that are you know this is obviously extremely important for the national conversation but this game's important if both of these teams were two and ten or two and nine like this game is it's always important for Ohio State and Michigan it's always the biggest thing of the season and uh, we're lucky this year that this is a uh, an especially important version of it but it is not the end all be all at the site we 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 you know 
it is it is a site about the passion of college football more than anything else and Mm-hmm. I, if you are passionate about a team, it is a site for you. That that's it. Just you know, sight unseen. The, Period. The, yeah, the yeah. way that it that it grows and and then includes more people's teams is through more people being there, more people with uh, unique teams that they like, more t- more people from different areas, and, and that's you know. That's, yeah, we were juiced up for the Pitt WU rivalry. Like yeah. the backyard brawl was huge for us. Like you know, people. I'm sure like on Thanksgiving Day, we're gonna be in there posting about the Egg Bowl. Oh, absolutely. Or we're avoiding our families, like everybody else. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm gonna like, be in there posting about the Egg Bowl. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that is, uh, that is the thing that we want. And we this... hate both of those teams. Like, yeah. We don't like just stylistically watching them play. It makes me miserable. But, yeah. But you know, I'm gonna be doing it. Yeah, but like we want this to be not just a place for Ohio State and Michigan fans. That's just where our our knowledge base lies. I and mean, but this is a you know the 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 more people we have, the more we can include. Uh, things like Bedlam, things like USC, UCLA, both of which were talked about on the site this weekend on a, on a extremely, extremely busy, probably the busiest week of the season uh, on the message boards uh, just this past weekend. And I'm sure that we're going to absolutely smash that this year. We're already, I think, six or seven pages deep in the Ohio State fan-specific thread for the Michigan game, which is six days away as we record this on Sunday. Um, it's, uh, you know, these games are a big deal and there's, they should be treated as such. And that is the guiding ethos of the site, not just that Ohio State and Michigan are good football teams that should be covered. Like this is, it's for everybody. And if you're interested in walking around and looking in the zoo at Ohio State, Michigan, you can do that. But there's non-Ohio State, Michigan threads every week. There's all sorts of stuff that is not related at all yeah. to these teams or even to the Big Ten. It uh, it really we try to have something for everybody, um, even if this week is, I mean, deservedly so. It's Ohio State, and Michigan centric, and I think that that is entertaining in its own right for people even who don't have stakes in the game. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's, I mean, it's the best time of the year, right? Like this is what this is yes. like what you're a fan for. This is the, like this is the thing that separates college football from the NFL, right? It is like it, no matter what they tell you about like how big the playoff is, how big the postseason is, whatever. Like none of those arguments, but oh, this those things will devalue the regular season. Matter to people who care about rivalries, who care about tradition in their schools, yeah. who who have that dog in their heart and really care about these games, because no matter what you like. I don't care if there's a 2014 playoff. Like if Ohio State loses to Michigan, I will be apoplectic. Want my coach fired? Yeah. Like that is like that is the answer because it is something bone deep in your soul when you have a connection to one of these schools, connection to any school too. I mean, it could be Georgia and Georgia Tech, right? Like, like th- there are so many games that that matter deeply to people, uh, and exploring that kind of uh, that feeling is what we're all about. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have an article on that exact subject this week coming out as well. Um, we're also going to have for the Ohio State Michigan freaks. I'm going to be doing a one-on-one with uh, the known criminal and, and the the Waluigi to my Luigi uh, uh, Dan, aka Thick Stauskas of yeah. Twitter fame. Um, we'll be having a debate podcast basically <laughs> where we just insult each other for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're covering the game uh, in depth on a preview uh, on the High Street Freaks, the High State podcast. Bucket problems doing the same. Uh, they're I think getting a couple of High State journalists on their podcast. We're going to be going deep on this stuff. Um, we're going to have, you know, cross debates between different writers kind of going over what the game should be and what to expect from it. Um, it's going to be wall-to-wall coverage of this game, of other games. Uh, Patrick's going to be doing a lot on, like, scheme of different games and, yep. you know, previewing the, the conference title races, uh, which I'm helping out with as well. Um, and kind of the, the final the final juice of the season here as we get down to it. Uh, I can't wait for it, man. I, I cannot wait for this weekend of games. Uh, I'm already so excited. I'm already so anxious, too. Like, I'm... I'm in my posting kind of war zone right now, uh, just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had this sort of, I don't know if you also had this, it might be, uh, you might be too deep in it to really feel this right now, um, but I had this sort of wave of euphoria wash over me earlier today when I realized that it was rivalry re- week, because I just like, 
I don't know. Every every year, this is always so it's so special and and it elicits such a unique and specific feeling. Um, and I just had that moment of like, oh man, this is like the best week. This is the best one. It doesn't get any better than this. You know, you have uh, you you have the 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 pre big game stuff on Thursday and Friday where you get to do holidays. You get to have the very good food. You get to do all that stuff, and then you can watch the Egg Bowl. There's the games on Black Friday. I'm going to be covering a game on Black Friday. Um, and then you get to Saturday and you have some of the biggest games of the year, games that are consistently among the most important and are, and are certainly among the most contentious. And it is just this this feeling of like college football bliss of, of remembering rivalry, rivalry weeks growing up and, and remembering just like, this is the best shit. It doesn't get any better than this. And it's... Uh, it's great. It's just, it's a very very exciting time. It's exciting every year, and uh, this year is no different. I, I can't uh, I can't wait for it. We'd love to have you join us at meetatmidfield.com again. That code for twenty five percent off forever is the game, all one word, the game. Um, you can also go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code meetatmidfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase of a sweatshirt, of a shirt, of pants, of really anything that they sell over there. It's high quality collegiate vintage apparel. Um, they have pretty much. Every Every team that you can possibly hope for. If you're an Ohio State fan, they have Ohio State stuff. If you're a Michigan State fan, they have Michigan stuff. If you are uh, pretty much a fan of any other school, any any non-poverty school, uh, you will have Home Field Apparel for you. And if your school does not have a deal with Home Field Apparel, uh, it is a personal reflection on you, and you should feel bad about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. You should you should fix that. You should get better. You should get back into the working. You know, you should get back into the room. Watch some more film and uh get better improve you know it's it's uh it's just you can't be doing that we can't have that your school cannot have cannot not have home field in 2022 and it is on you to fix that um yeah yeah we should also mention really quick before i forget too that uh there's also going to be you know, the home, home field will have that discount code of Black Friday for everyone this week 20 percent off everything there's also going to be a special code for subscribers only yep on the meet at midfield board um, so if you, you were going to be getting a discount, an extra special discount only for our subscribers, exclusive to our board that will be posted by the time you listen to this, um, it'll be up and posted on our board information for it. So um, if you're just a fan of t-shirts, you're just a guy who likes t-shirts, you yep. listen to this podcast because you're deep in the t-shirt game. You heard that me and Patrick wear cool shirts and, you know, home field's a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, great reason to sign up too. Just a big t-shirt. Head. Yeah. I got, I got a home field Auburn sweatshirt on right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm loving it. It's very yeah. comfy. Keeps me warm when I need it. Uh, homefieldapparel.com. Use the code meet at midfield, or if you are a subscriber, uh, just maybe wait a couple days and then we'll, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll talk. All right. Recap time. Let's do it. Let's start at the top. We are doing a new format this week, right? We've got uh, as the as the season yeah. kind of bubbles down to the the yeah. final day. We've done some self scouting. We yeah. reviewed our scheme, and we we decided it's time to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, and there's just like I don't know some a lot of the games that happened this this past weekend might have been good or interesting, but weren't really all that important. And so we have some that were funny or interesting, but we have largely here focused on games that were important era for some reason or another games that were playoff important games that were nearly playoff important uh games that matter for conference title races we have looks around the different conferences uh and we're going to start here at the top with the games that changed the playoff race and leading the way is south carolina 63 tennessee 38 uh tennessee oh boy tennessee loses hendon hooker in this game unfortunately for the season with a torn acl um, that is a bummer, but they were going to lose this game, I think, with or without Hendon Hooker because they just... Yeah, it was over, but he just hurt. Yeah, yeah they so, yeah. they could not stop 
fucking Spencer Rattler, who threw for almost 450 yards and six touchdowns. This was the best game of his career by a country mile. Um, Tennessee had nothing. Tennessee had absolutely nothing for him, for Antoine Wells Jr., uh, for really anything at all that South Carolina was doing. Tennessee was able to score and, and had it kind of within reach in the in the second half, but could not get it done. South Carolina pulls away late. Um, what the fuck? I mean, what the hell? What, what, is, what is this? What is this shit? I don't understand this. It, it, it's honestly one of the most embarrassing losses of the season. Yeah. I know people are going to say, you know, South Carolina is, they're going to be, first of all, the fucking bullshit committee is going to rank them this week. They, they do every time South Carolina gets an upset win, they get ranked immediately afterwards. It's so annoying. Um, Tennessee just was not ready to play this game at all. Yeah. Uh, also, did you see the quote uh, from the Tennessee, um, the Tennessee, sorry, the, uh, the South Carolina player uh, referring to what they did that worked? Uh, did you did you did you see this? Like he was I, asked after the game. I did not. I believe Cam Smith, Cam Smith, one of their corners, uh, was asked, <laughs> and I'll send you this if you want to include the clip, Patrick. But mm-hmm. uh, he was asked what halftime adjustments they made to kind of respond to Tennessee, uh, and he said nothing. You just got to drop your nuts. <laughs> 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 uh, which is which is funny because like it, it obviously sounds hilarious, but like honestly, the answer to beating Tennessee is literally just like play them a man coverage and be better yeah. than them. Yeah, that is pretty how much. you beat them, hundred percent. Pretty much. There's yeah. nothing else to do. They don't have any scheme. Yeah, yeah. There's not a there's not a scheme to draw up to beat Tennessee, which is like why that offense has been so largely successful, but has not been able to get, I would say, over the hump fully outside of places like Alabama, where obviously they already have a talent advantage, but like. Ole Miss has not been able to get over the hump. Tennessee has not been able to get over the hump. Oklahoma is an embarrassment. USC is going to lose next week. Like these teams do not have the talent to, to beat some opponents straight up in the way that they would need to. And so if you have the guys, you think you have the guys at cornerback basically, or on the defensive line, or preferably both, to just play them straight up. Um, yeah, you'll win. You <laughs> you you will win. You will beat them because it is what it is. Um, if you can cover them, their receivers will not be open. There's no. They don't really create conflict. They're just trying to win one-on-one matchups, and they're assuming that they're better than you, and they usually are. Uh, but it uh, it didn't work here. South Carolina somehow has the cornerbacks to keep up with Tennessee's receivers, and just did not have did not have any issue making making uh, making short work of them and, and pulling away with one of the more surprising wins of the season. This was not one that was even really on our radar coming into this week, and now we no. leave and, and Tennessee. I mean, it's Spencer Rattler, dude. What, yeah. Why would it be on our radar? Yeah, this was his first good game ever. <laughs> Spencer Rattler successfully played his first ever college game where he was not bad, and that uh, that was enough to beat Tennessee. Um, as for the actual impact on the playoff race, it's pretty significant, right? Because this is now... I mean, essentially the end of the idea of the two-team SEC playoff, unless LSU gets a lot of help and wins out, which I don't think is likely. Yeah. It's it's that the the other problem with that with the the LSU thing is like LSU would have to beat Georgia for that to happen, and I just don't think that LSU is going to beat happen. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> LSU barely beat Arkansas. Yeah, uh, and then also like like they weren't playing a close game with UAB for an entire like half of football. Like they ended up pulling away at the end, but like that team was not looking. <laughs> They're just like they basically have Harold Perkins, who is a generational pass rusher, yeah, like one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, and they have a good rushing quarterback, and that's the whole team. There's, yeah. there's, I mean, like Malik Neighbors is okay, like uh, Keishon Booty's okay, like they're, there's like they're like they're not, there's no special players besides, uh, besides uh, Harold Perkins and that team, yeah. Um, 
that's all they got. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's very frustrating. Yeah. So I, um, I think that watch- this I think this essentially knocks the SEC uh, the idea of the two team SEC playoff out of contention, basically with, with Tennessee falling. Um, on the Harold Perkins thing, real quick, I don't know if you have seen this at all, uh, but if you have, I, I it's very very funny. Have you seen any of the guys who I would describe as the Will Anderson guys who have spent the last like two weeks scrambling to try and say like, Oh, well, Will Anderson's still the best pass rusher in America. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Harold Perkins is better. Will, Will Anderson is bad relative to what you thought he was going to be. He is bad. He is not what he has been, what he was supposed to be this year. And these guys are desperately trying to paint it as, well, no, he's still the best, but Harold Perkins is pretty good. Like, no, Will Anderson is a non-factor. He is fine. He is a fine player. You the, the, he, to talk he about really him, hasn't done much this yeah, season. Yeah, to talk about yeah, like, oh, I mean, he's generational. He's going to be pick. You know, he's he's one one. Like, no, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's a good player. Well, I mean, he he is like, clearly a very talented player. Like, and what yeah. he did last season was special. But like, you know, usually I like to see that continue, right? Like having yeah. one good season, then I was like falling off the, the, the last year is like usually not a great sign. Right? Yeah. I think generally, yeah. and I'm not saying like Will Anderson sucks. It's not the take, but like, yeah. what Harold Perkins is doing as a pass rusher. Uh, is something we've seen just a handful of times the last several years, right? Yeah. Like he, he's doing what Will Anderson did last year and what Chase Young did in 2019, right? He's like, he is an individual game wrecker who is changing LSU's ceiling as football team as a true freshman. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, relative to expectations, Will Anderson has been a wild disappointment this season. But uh, and, and, and and Harold Perkins coming in and immediately being a better pass rusher is very funny. And uh and watching these guys just like desperately, well, his uh you know, his his VORP or whatever just like pulling stats out of their ass. His VORP is better. He's uh, Harold Perkins isn't a very good run defender. I don't care, man. I don't care. Harold Perkins is a better pass rusher. Straight up. He's a true freshman. He's better than your guy. It's fine. You can just you can just be fine with it. It's okay. You don't have to pretend that he's not. He's better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm glad about this. You know, we, we like Tennessee uh, at some point in the season. They were fun to watch, but uh, I'm glad that we won't have to watch them in the playoff, if I'm being honest. I didn't think that they were going to do especially well, and... Uh, now we won't have to worry about it. Now we won't have yeah, to worry about we're two see, we're seeing SEC a totally teams. different team like like USC. They're so much different from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're going to stay tuned on that one based on what I have seen Fair from enough. USC. Yeah, <laughs> that might we'll talk be. About them soon here. Yeah, that might be. By the optimistic. way, I, I, really quick, I, I do want to note how funny it was uh, seeing Joe Milton. Kind of everyone remember that Joe Milton played at Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone kind of forgot he was around, and then he came in for their last couple drives and. Uh, they were getting doubled up uh, late in the fourth quarter with two minutes left. Uh, it was 63-31 Tennessee, and it, he throws an absolute bomb to a guy named Squirrel White for 64 <laughs> yards. Um, <laughs> Tennessee, a true garbage time touchdown yeah. to avoid getting you – know, they, they still got a 60-burger, but they did not get doubled up. God uh, damn. Which I this, guess is a win. This man's name really is Squirrel White, huh? That's awesome. That's a that's a very good name. That you know what? Do you think that's his legal name? I, uh, probably not. Right? I I can only hope so. That's a uh, that's a superstar wide receiver name right there. You got a wide receiver. Oh, and also, Coral, you know he's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, his real name is Marquarius Malik White. That's pretty uh, good too. School. Honestly, that's not that's yeah. not too bad. This guy is is preordained. He's he's got he's got destined. Oh, hang on. There's hold on. There's a story on his nickname here. I'm pulling up really quick. Okay. Um. Uh. It says his. Nickname originated from his great grandmother, who called him Squirrel as an infant after he moved simultaneously with a squirrel in her garden. I don't know what that means. What does that? Yeah, what does that mean? As an infant, he was. 
What? He was moving simultaneously was he... with the squirrels. This is from the Tennessee Athletics website. This is Tennessee's this... official website. This is great-grandmother called him squirrels and infant after he moved simultaneously with a squirrel in her garden. What does that mean? Does Is he saying like the squirrel was like running around and this infant was chasing him like on all fours? Is that what this, is that what they're talking about? I, I'm looking at other sources. I'm trying to find out. I don't out. understand what that means. Moved simultaneously. She said, "Like, like the the child was in the garden, and the squirrel was behind, and they were like twitching in the same exact way, or something." This is this is this is says here. Uh, a quote from him. Okay. When she was holding me, there was a squirrel in her garden. It picked her tomato, and when the squirrel moved, I moved at the same time. So she started calling me squirrel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. that's one of the worst <laughs> nicknames of all time are you familiar with uh with the the nickname not to put us too far off course but um there's a georgia running back he was at least he was a georgia running back commit justice haynes i think are you familiar with his nickname? yeah he's, he's still committed to them okay are you are you aware of his nickname which is uh bussy because they say that he, play, he plays <laughs> yes. like jerome bettis <laughs> <laughs> and it is spelled, of course, like pussy. Yeah, of course. Um, which is which is very funny. Is he a Georgia commit or, or an Alabama commit? Dude, I uh, don't know. He's from he's, he's, he's a from, commit. He's yeah. from Georgia. That's the only thing that I know yeah. about the guy. I, I as, <laughs> as soon as I left Buckeye Sports Bulletin, I stopped caring at all about any recruit. And not that's not my problem. Salute. That's none yeah. of my business. Fair enough. He is a he is a Bama commit for the record for any of our any of our gotcha ass listeners trying to get us on one here? Yeah, he's he's a bama commit. Yeah, yeah, um, we 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 could see your ass coming from a mile away, motherfucker. We know what you're about to do. Yeah, um, and well, so could his pussy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, Georgia Tech 21, North Carolina 17. North Carolina knocked out of the playoff race in, I think, probably the funniest possible way, which is by losing mm-hmm. to interim Georgia Tech, which is now five and six, and um, could do, I think, maybe... He's probably going to hire Brinke. Yeah, he's yeah. probably going to just promote Brinke to, to the full-time head coach. I, Georgia Tech does have the, the opportunity here. It won't, obviously, because this would be impossible. This is not going to happen, but Georgia Tech could have the funniest season ever by beating Georgia to end the year. Um, that would be, I mean, that would be generational <laughs> levels of a funny season to have where they, they end, I mean, just an unbelievable number of playoff bids and, 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 uh, and seasons basically by, uh, by just sort of existing, by just sort of balling out in the way that only Georgia Tech can. Um, they didn't do anything in this game that I would describe as good or positive. They just, they just won. They just, they just won the game. I can't really describe it in any other way. I don't know how they managed to do this. Um, Drake May was fine. He was okay. He was not maybe as good as he has been. But, I mean, Elijah Green was running all over the place. They limited Josh Downs pretty well. But other than that, man, I don't really know. I don't really know how Georgia Tech won this football game. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the answer is like, uh, that that just disastrous Josh Downs drop. I mean, Drake yeah. Bay was bad, like you said. I mean, he, he wasn't very good. Um, uh, I mean, he, he threw an interception on the average less than seven yards an attempt. Like, it, it, he was bad, but also this, these receivers were so inconsistent. Like, Josh Downs is one of the best players in the country. He's he's consistently open. He only he only went for 31 yards and three receptions this game. Um, that drop he had uh, in the fourth quarter uh, when they turned it over on Downs on a, on a would-be go-ahead touchdown. Yeah. Um, just not a play you can make as, as a veteran. Like, with everything on the line, this is one of the worst losses by any team this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, they were a fringe playoff contender, to be sure, but they were a playoff contender coming into this game. Um, they had a chance to be a 12-1 conference champion. They had a Heisman contender at quarterback. Uh, they had a, a potential, like, you know, 
top uh, top three round pick at wide receiver. Um, I mean, and none of them showed up. No one showed up in this game. No one made a difference. Uh, Jordan Tech probably got a little bit lucky here too. Like I don't think I, I didn't check the post game winning numbers here, but I can't imagine it's very high. Um, um, but I mean, yeah, I I don't know where to find them on this this website uh you're fine they, they i mean they, they, they did outgain north carolina yeah um but but yeah i mean fuck dude just a whole i only watched the fourth quarter of this one to be honest i, I didn't catch the full game uh, i watched the highlights this morning but um yeah just a horrendous performance like you, you cannot have that finish if you're if you were georgia tech uh, sorry for north carolina you cannot have that just yeah with everything available to you just horrible coaching horrible performance by their best players uh, it's embarrassing. Well, yeah, and 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 in this uh, in this stat line, he did not have a huge game or anything. But North Carolina surrendered a seventy two percent success rate to Zach Gibson on his passes. Zach Zach Gibson, for those of you not familiar, uh, at one time was kind of a prom- like a, a vaguely promising Akron quarterback in the the very dark Tom Tom <laughs> Arth days. Um, he is one of the worst Power Five quarterbacks you will ever see he's awful he's absolutely awful he's inaccurate he's not strong he doesn't know how to read a defense he's not a good at he's awful he's fucking awful um 72 percent success rate to this guy to one of the worst passing attacks in the power five level uh no wide receivers no real reason to even have to think about the pass against georgia tech they cannot throw uh and they could throw here they had a fucking 61 percent success rate on, on on their passes in this game that is a disaster that is a complete disaster with the the amount of talent in that secondary that North Carolina has. Uh, I'm glad that they got what was coming to them. I'm glad that we don't have to really consider these guys anymore, and I look forward to them beating Clemson in uh, in two weeks. I think that that's going to be very, very good for you and me personally. I don't know that I believe it happening, but you know, from your lips to God's ears, I'm I'm, I'm praying that you are right. Inshallah, uh, we will see the Zavala Swinney dynasty fall at the hands of Mac Brown, who has yeah. always been one of our favorite coaches. We, we support him a lot. That's right. Um, Recent for, guest of the show as well, and we love that for him. Um, <laughs> also here in the in the change to the playoff, uh, sort of the beneficiary of those other two losses, mainly the Tennessee one that we mentioned, USC 48, UCLA 45. Uh, I would do the thing where I talk about how they can't keep getting away with this, and they can't, but I'm not worried about it because they're going to lose to Notre Dame next week. USC is going to lose to Notre Dame, and we won't have to worry about this. They are Spiritually, they are doomed. They are set to lose that game. They have to lose that game for, for the, the universe to be balanced. Um, but yeah, they did the same shit here that they've done all season. They got, you know, they benefited from turnovers at the right time. Uh, Caleb Williams threw up some deeply stupid passes that people freaked out about. Um, they, 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 yeah, it was a USC win. It's Lincoln Riley. Sure enough. It seems like maybe not that much of a compliment to him and his, his program that he was able to build literally the exact same team at USC in one off season that he had at Oklahoma. seems like it's not that hard. seems like it's actually very easy to do what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's first of all just so embarrassing to have a plus three turnover margin against UCLA, who has a terrible defense and only win by three. Yeah, uh, can't be doing that. Come on, can't, can't be allowed to happen. <laughs> and, and I don't know, man. Like I'll say this: as much as we dogged USC, and especially you know dog Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley quarterbacks, mm-hmm. he was very impressive during this game. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much of it you watched, but like. He 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 made some truly insane throws and didn't do his usual bullshit of like taking too long to process and and like not reading coverage at all. Mm-hmm. Um, his connection with Addison was super impressive too. Jordan Addison looked a lot like he did at the end of last season when he, he was just making every big catch that Kenny Pickett needed him to. Uh, when he was playing for Pitt, uh, I believe during this game six of his eleven receptions went for either a first down or a touchdown. Um, just uh, lights out. I mean, he was brilliant too. Uh, uh, Williams was on fire. He counted for. 
I believe over 500 yards individually. Um, he, he was out of his mind, dude. Like <laughs> they were playing so well. Um, but, but yeah, the USC defense is terrible and every team at the top of the Pac-12 is the same, right? Yeah. Washington, UCLA, USC, and Oregon are all the same football team. And Utah is uh, not far off from it. Utah's defense is not what it usually is. It's not as bad as these guys, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, it has. And their offense isn't as good either. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a bug that has seemingly, seemingly affected a lot of the conference. Um, yeah, my comment on Caleb Williams at this time is that he should do it against Notre Dame and then we'll talk. Um, doing that against UCLA's secondary is not impressive. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's not impressive. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson put up a. I think, I don't know, dude. Under any context doing that's impressive i really don't think so i don't think it is against this secondary he's doing it on air great he threw for 470 yards on air that's really impressive good stuff i would like to see it against notre dame i don't i have not seen him do it against a competent defense this year um Look, I, I'd you, like you know to i'm one of the biggest haters in america but you saying a guy going for 503 total yards and three touchdowns in a rivalry game to put his team in position yeah. to make the playoff is not impressive yeah is elite hating that is I, some incredible do hating. you know how many oklahoma oklahoma state games i've watched it's not been that long <laughs> since they were doing this shit there it's not any different it's the same fucking team they're doing the same thing like those teams never actually did anything they never win, won any games that matter this team isn't either. They're not going to. They are going to lose to Notre Dame. I'm not. I'm not worried about it because I've seen this story before with them. I'm not gonna let. Me, I'm not gonna let Lincoln Riley fool me again. I've seen it too many times. I get that they put up the big numbers. That Caleb Williams is going to be a draft darling. All this shit. He's not going to do it against a real defense. He hasn't all year. He's not going to. It's not. They are fundamentally incapable of doing that within this offense. It's not built to handle it. You're saying he can't do it on a rainy Monday night in Stoke. That's right. I'm saying that he can't do it in the snow. He'll melt. Uh, I'm saying that Notre Dame has various power tools that they're going to be using in the uh, in the trenches, and we're all looking forward to that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think USC is, like, very good, right? I, I think, like, USC is, like, a fringe top 10 or 15 team in college football, but someone has to make this playoff. Yeah. Like there has to be someone that goes in. And, and like, I think the odds are high that one of USC or Clemson will find a way to win at 12 and one, win their conference and, yeah. um, and make the playoff. I, I, I don't think the loser of the Ohio state Michigan game will get in. Um, just because from, I think for my own mental health and the mental health of all of our Ohio state Michigan fans, Having both those teams in the playoff and the chance to meet an Ash title game yeah. is just unbearable. That can't be allowed to happen. Um, can't can't do it. Can't yeah. can't let that kind of thing happen. I, so I think I'm of the opinion that it's probably going to be Clemson. I think that Clemson is just not going to lose again, basically, and then that's going to be kind of just they back in by default. Um, but I I think it is a lot more likely that Michigan or Ohio State, the loser of that game, is in the playoff than USC. I don't see I don't see USC handling this. I don't think that they're going to. I just I don't. I've not seen anything that makes me think that these guys are anything more than just a really explosive offense, basically. And then well, here's the thing: if I they mean, do, if they do, they deserve it. If they if they sure. go basically and beat Notre Dame uh, at home, and then get a a conference title game against either Oregon or Washington and yeah. win that game, that's one hell of a stretch um, to end the season that they that they would have yeah. that they would have beaten because it was you know last week they beat uh, they beat Colorado, but uh, UCLA to Notre Dame to then probably Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game would be absolutely yeah. impressive. But they're I don't think they're going to. I, I just yeah I've seen it like I said I've seen it so many times from Lincoln Riley. I get it at this point. I understand his shit. I get it. I don't really need to see it again to to understand what's 
happening here. I of don't course, really yeah, they're not going to win the title. They're, they're a useless <laughs> like, team. Yeah. Like their their turnover margin is like plus twenty, and I know we've talked about this all season, but that has, I mean, basically never happened before. It's not. Come on, it's going to come due. The bill is going to come due. It always does. These teams are are just they don't make it. These kind of teams do not make it into the playoff. They are not. They are not sound enough on both sides of the ball to do it. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. Um, uh, I mean, I don't think, yeah, who cares about them? Let's, let's not talk about that. Let's move on to the next series of games, yeah. which are the almost upsets. But I know we talked about number five, uh, number five, Tennessee, obviously getting their, their shit packed in this yeah. week. But the top four teams, uh, there's a very funny thing going around basically where every fan base like started out making fun of every other fan base. You know what I mean? Like we were, yes. we were all kind of like Ohio State fans were laughing at Michigan. The Michigan fans were laughing at Ohio State. We were all laughing at Georgia. Uh, TCU was getting laughed at for their fire drill at the end. Uh, and then it just turns out every team in the top four had the same game. Yeah. Uh, and if that's not your takeaway, like if that's your, if, genuinely, if you like looked at these games and came away at like one team in particular was like looked vulnerable or terrible, uh, you come on, you're an idiot. You're, yeah. you're not taking football seriously. Yeah, they, like I'll spin that narrative online for fun, for sure. But come on, you can't really believe that. Yeah, they they all did. I mean, this, um, this happens every year, right? There's always this week, like near the end of the season, these teams are tired. They're heading into very important games next week a lot of them are looking ahead a lot of them are thinking about the playoff all that stuff um and there's always a a look ahead drop off week for a lot of teams at the top of the sport usually you get it on rivalry week but i mean and we still very well could but uh teams were just i think they were just tired this week and you had georgia not playing a uh a non-conference opponent they had to play an actual team and you have tcu going in a, in a tough spot at baylor you have uh, Michigan playing against an Illinois team that wants to slow things down. I don't really know what Ohio State was doing. I don't really understand what was going on there. You'll have to regale me. But, like, all of these things are very similar, and I don't think I, – I think that it is in bad faith to pull one specific result here and be like, oh, well, that is yeah. a, that is reflective of, um, you know, oh, this team can't do that, this team can't do that, this team is, sure. is you know. Like, like, like there, are, there are points to learn about each team, certainly yeah. the games they played, right? Like, I think there are things we can take away about them. But generally, the idea that like Team X is especially vulnerable now because of this past week's game is probably unfair. Yeah, I think um, that this is just this is the this week is the opposite of the rising tide that flows that, that, that you know ri- raises all ships up, right? Like this is the this is the inverse. Lifts all boats like, is what you're looking for. Yeah, that lifts yeah. all boats. Like this is a uh, this is a tide that is dropping, and all of these tr- teams have dropped in my estimation an equal amount. Like, it's all just like okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a tiny bit more vulnerable than they looked, but not. Yeah relative to each other just just like in general it's just that this the separation is not quite as large as it maybe seemed for all four of them um there's no there's no great team this year right we don't have we don't have a 2019 lsu coming out of this pack it's just like like there's going to be some teams that are all flawed that like some will have some will win on the margin some won't we're going to see a play out but there are flaws each of these and and it was fun too because like all four of these games were sort of the result of the specific weaknesses that people have been complaining about with these teams right where it's Mm -hmm. like you know like like uh we'll we'll start we're starting with the michigan game the michigan game uh michigan 19 illinois 17 um michigan could not throw the ball here like jj mccarthy was inaccurate it was not completing open passes uh they still ran they still ran pretty well like blake Corum ran pretty well but they uh they just could not hit passes when they needed to and that was that was right. sort of why it stayed close for as long as it did and it's the double whammy of like first of all jd mccarthy 
Uh, oh, I guess let me say this. Michigan's receivers couldn't get open against man coverage first. Yeah. They were consistently unable to create separation. And then when they did, he was missing them. So, like, yeah. I mean, that's how you end up with a game where he, again, barely completes 50% of his passes. Um, he's been, like, let's call it a spade a spade, right? He's been terrible for a few weeks now. He is yeah. not playing well at all. Um, their passing game in general is not working. Uh, you know, his last few weeks, he has not completed uh, more than 53% of his passes uh, since the Michigan State game. Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, I mean, and even that game, he was 15 of 25 for 167 yards. Like th- there's not been a game where he looks special. They're, like even the quarterback run game is not working as well. Um, he's not really, they're not able to create manufactured runs with him. Maybe they're, I don't know, saving the playbook for Ohio State or something. If you want to be generous, but, but he's not been good. Like he's, I'd say he's been actively bad. Like I think he's actively harming the team. His yeah. literally glaring was that, that missed uh, throw to an open tight end uh, in the second half. Um, that would have been a touchdown for Michigan and, and kind of put them in a pretty comfortable place. And um, they ended up coming back to win this one, kicking three field goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, but both Michigan and TCU needed a last second field goal to win their games. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, like the, the big story come out of this year is Blake Quorum's injury, right? And the question of of what happens uh, next. Uh, I mean, he, he, if you guys, I'm sure everyone see the play by now, but to me, it looked like he got hurt on the plant and not on the contact. Like yeah. when he planted his foot to jump, it looked like where his knee kind of slightly uh, moved the wrong way. That's why I just, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to have a yeah. diagnose that, but it didn't look quite right. And then he dropped the ball midair um, and, and was down for a good bit there. He walked off under his own power. He came back in uh, for one carry in the second half and did not touch the ball again the rest of the day. Cool. Um, there was some sideline reporters saying he was in tears. I, I don't know. He was, but he was also not that Zapruder filmed this whole thing too, but there were also, he was walking around today delivering turkeys in Ypsilanti, Michigan uh, for Thanksgiving week, Yeah, like for his charity. So he's able to walk. Clearly we know that. Um, he also clearly was not comfortable running the football after his injury on Saturday. And that's a game where they needed him to play. Like hmm. it with Donovan Edwards out. If he could have gone, he would have gone. That was a game they were losing in the second half. Yeah. Like, I think that's not like a thing where like they were just letting him like get ready for next week. Yeah. Uh, if he could have gone, he would have gone. Yeah, there is so, not a um, – with with Edwards out, there is not a, a guy really behind Corum who you feel great about yeah. if you're Michigan, which yeah, I think – CJ is, Stokes is – Yeah, kind of, kind of yeah. what bore out here in this game is just like – Ooh, yeah, kind of a kind of a drop. Well, understandably, because Blake Corum's a Heisman contender, and Donovan Edwards was very, very good before his injury, and you can't really expect to have a third guy who is on that level. I think in most cases, but it is definitely still like that does not change the fact that like this is concerning. If Blake Corum cannot cannot go, which I don't think there's any sort of definitive information on right now. Yeah, no, and I'm sure that's going to be a. I mean, that's a the most tightly held secret we'll get in college football right before that. There's no yes. chance that comes out. Yeah. Until you know, maybe they'll probably even have him warm up just I, I, whether or not he's going to play. Right. Like that's yeah. going to go all the way until kickoff to know if he's coming out or not. Um, also notable, Donovan Edwards did warm up in the second half. He didn't. He did not play in this game, but they were trying to get him ready in case something happened to CJ Stokes. So yeah. it's very likely Donovan Edwards, who is their former five star recruit, will play next week. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't. So. It, Michigan will be fine running back, right? I got like Blake. Yeah. I mean, well, I, if they're a complete football team, if they're a serious football team that actually has an offense and a system and not just a one really good player, they should be fine. Don yeah. Edwards is a very productive player. He's a former five star at the end of his sophomore season. There is no reason he should not be able to handle this job based on what we've seen from him this year. Yeah. But uh, to me, watching this team, so much of their offense is Blake Corum making plays, right? Like they have a tremendous offensive line that gets him a lot of yards, but. Uh, the place in the second level is him being a special running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what this offense is without that. If he can't go, 
or if he's significantly limited in the open field, man, I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. I do think that Michigan's offensive line is is good enough that they would be still you know very capable on the on the rushing game, and I think that that could sure, still be yeah. the centerpiece of the offense. But it is like Corum does change the does change the dynamic for for sure. I think that you know the the comparison that would first come to mind for me, and this might not be fair to. Donovan Edwards, at least ceiling-wise, he's going to be better than this player I'm going to compare him to. But it does feel to me sort of like a J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber situation, where it's like, yeah, Mike Weber's a capable starter, but J.K. Dobbins is J.K. Dobbins, you know, like like for for Ohio State a couple years ago. Um, yeah, and I, or even I think, if you want to use an NFL comparison, it's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right? Like yeah, Kareem Hunt sure. can like can make some plays and is a little bit explosive in the open field, but down to down what Chubb does or what Coram does is so much better than what Edwards and Hunt yeah. respectively. Yeah, it's it's the difference between a capable to to, you know, well above average to, you know, even good or, or very good running back and one of the best running backs in America, basically. It's 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 a difficult yeah. guy to replace, essentially. Um yeah. and so that is going to be something to keep an eye on. As for this actual game itself, how it went down, I mean it pretty much just came down to the fact that Michigan lost one fumble and Illinois lost two and that was it. You know, I mean Michigan had uh, JJ McCarthy had a fumble that was not recovered that, uh, that, that Illinois did not fall on. And that was, that was it. That was the difference. I mean, it's pretty much just that, uh, the one turnover will do it. Illinois, I think kind of, uh, continuously here, this has been a trend all season, getting jobbed a little bit by the, by the, the, you know, the penalties. I think there was a pass interference that was uh, yeah. called on the defense that was, uh, for some reason, one of the classic makeup calls where you call the team that needed a makeup call for a foul for some reason. I don't really know why. <laughs> I don't really know how that works because there was a missed offensive pass interference and then a horribly uh, missed one that Brett Bielema yeah. called after the game pretty yeah. pretty uh, aggressively as well, yeah. uh, which he was correct to do so. It was a really bad pick play. Um, he sarcastically called it out that they're going to work better to defend it all week in practice, yeah. uh, especially on fourth downs, which is uh, amusing. But he's right. Like, yeah, I mean. Letting that play happen on a critical uh, fourth quarter, uh, for you know fourth down play, is it's heinous, man. Like that's that's really bad. Like I, I feel bad for Illinois this season. I mean, yeah, they, they've made some of their own problems, but the refereeing against against Purdue, Indiana, and Michigan is like has to be very frustrating for an Illinois fan. Yeah, I think Illinois deserved the win here. I think Illinois was better, but it didn't. It didn't win. Michigan did, and that's yep. that's what matters. Michigan continues to be undefeated. Michigan's 11 and 0. Uh with a win over Ohio State, they would be they would punch their ticket to the playoff pretty much. I don't think that they're going to lose to Iowa in the in the Big 10 Championship game or whoever ends up coming out of that and so Michigan survives it does I guess what it needed to do even if it gets there through somewhat nefarious you know means it does not it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter and uh, it's it's just it bears mentioning to add color but it does not bear mentioning to change the result of the game Uh, TCU 29 Baylor 28 TCU wins it on I'll give them credit a very well executed last second field goal that is not easy to do Mm. and they they handled it they did what they had to do without a timeout also just a a totally unnecessary situation to put themselves into no reason to play it that way yeah have to do that yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely did not need to do that but uh they did they they pull it out again um they just keep doing it they just keep pulling it out just to explain the sequence by the way for anyone who didn't actually get to watch the end of it it was first down run uh, then a spiked, then a spike uh, to stop the clock. Uh, then a third down run with 17 seconds on the clock, followed by running out their field goal team on a fire drill. They snapped the goal with uh, three seconds left on the game clock and yeah. kicked the field goal. It was good from 40 yards. 
but no setup time at all for the, for the unit. Just immediately line up and snap. Uh, no margin error for error whatsoever. Crazy yeah. to do. Yeah, the 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 third down run before sending the kicking team out is uh, insane. Why would you do that? <laughs> What With is, 17 seconds, like, like if you have if you have 30 seconds on the clock, yeah, 100, percent you're you're yeah. fine to do that. Like 17 seconds, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. What is the upside? What is the reason that you would do? Why not just throw the ball? I don't I don't understand. Like, well, I think the idea is you guarantee the game ends, right? Either you win or you lose. But like, there's no there's no chance. I guess if you to me it doesn't make any sense. But I guess there's no chance of you making the field goal, then giving the ball back to Baylor, and then them kicking a field goal too. But like, that's such a yeah, low there, odd. There would have been like 10 seconds left on the clock, right? Like, it's not. Right. Come on, there could not have possibly been that much reason to. to it's crazy. Do that, there's to, no need for it. To put your kicker in that situation, I mean, credit to him, credit to the team for being prepared and for for knocking it through. It was one hell of a play, but. Jesus yeah. Christ. You see that, Parker? Parker Fleming? You, listen, you see that? You see what their special teams unit did? How ready they were? You see I would, that? I would love to see an Ohio State fire drill. I would love they, to see They got lined up in 11 <laughs> seconds coming off the sideline with no procedure penalties. Huh, that's, that's crazy, huh? That's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. That is ridiculous to be able to pull that off. It is a reflection of how meaningless EPA is as a stat that TCU finished this game with a negative uh, special teams EPA. Made up. Not real. Not a real stat. Yeah. Come on, everybody! Everybody, grow up. We need to. We need to accept that this is not a real stat. Um, yeah, I mean, Max Duggan was great again, by the way. Um, yeah, he, he he did he did what he needed to do. Um, Baylor managed to slow down the TCU rushing attack pretty well, which seemed to limit the offense. Um, I don't I don't have a ton to say about this one beyond just yeah, it's a, uh, T, it's a TCU game. They played like TCU does, yeah. and then they won, and that's sort of been the approach this season is that they will sleepwalk through the first 55 minutes of the game and then they will win somehow and then they will remain undefeated which they they did that's what they did here and they will i I guess at this point there's no reason to think that they won't just keep doing this the uh the quentin johnson injury essentially significant right yeah Uh, that seems to be a potential concern here i don't know if we have word on uh, i mean he was I believe he was doubtful to return after getting banged up. I don't think he came back at the end of that game. I, I um, at least I didn't notice his name there at the last couple yeah. last couple drives. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Um, we'll, I guess we'll see what's going on whenever he plays. Whenever he if he plays or not next week, he's had ankle injury going on for a few weeks now. I think it's the third straight week he's had that problem. So we'll see if he's able to play uh, in their last couple games of the season. Um, I, I don't know that they're necessarily going to uh, going to need him for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's been very bad this year, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a home game. But the Big 12 championship game, yeah, it's a guy you want to have. Uh, well, for the playoffs, it's a guy you need to have. That's the thing. That's when Iowa State gets you, is when you think, well, we probably don't need our star receiver here, right? We're playing at home. They're not very good. That's when they strike. That's when they have the one good win of a season, is right in that moment. Man, uh, I, know it's, I, I know that's the logic, and it is the classic. This would be the classic Matt Campbell win to get, but they're a 4-17. and 17. It's yeah. a lot, They've lost seven of their last eight games. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's just, I I know I have seen I have seen Iowa State do it before, and I I don't want to uh, I wouldn't want to test that fate if I was TCU. <laughs> if I was TCU, I would be very 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 much hoping that Quentin Johnson is at least uh, capable, that he is at least in the in the picture, that he is not <laughs> that he is not completely unavailable, obviously for the conference title game, but also for this week, just because. Uh, yeah, Iowa State loves to do this. Iowa State is is always doing this shit, and I would be. I'm at least a little worried about it. I'm not worried about it enough that I'm going to be like, you know, the world is ending calling for that to actually happen. But I am 
monitoring the situation, I would say, because that feels like it could be, yeah. that could be something to keep an eye on with how close teams. Well, I guess the question, teams this year. the question too is like, if they drop that game and win the Big 12, does it even matter? They're probably still in the playoff, right? I mean, they may need a little bit of help. They need one of USC or, or Clemson to lose, but they're still in the playoff. Would they need one of those guys to lose? Because I think they would have a better resume, at least in Clemson. USC would have, I think, the probably the best of the bunch. But um, but if you give the playoff committee a chance to pick Clemson or TCU, who are they going to put in? Yeah, but I so, every time. Yeah, so if if we're if we're talking about, but if USC is involved with one loss, I think it would be USC, right? Uh. What I'm saying is basically you would have the winner of the game between Ohio State and Michigan. You would have Georgia, and you would have two of the oh, three one-loss conference champions. I see, yeah. If, if TCU, USC, and Clemson if, – if TCU lost to Iowa State and won the Big 12, you would and USC and Clemson both did as well, you would have three one-loss conference champions. Yeah. I think TCU would have a better resume, but I'm guaranteeing you they would pick USC and Clemson yeah. <laughs> for 100%. Boy, that would be a really bad playoff. Ohio State uh, or, or Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, USC. Yeah. No, thank you. Two first-round blowouts. Yeah. yeah I mean, easily. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ. That would be awful. Just, <laughs> just awful. Let's hope that we don't have that happen. Um uh, speaking of speaking of Georgia, 16. I hate to tell you, we're headed for a bad playoff, dude. I, I'm sorry to tell you. Yeah, this no, now. I mean they're it's all bad. Not... Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. They're all bad. They're <laughs> always they're literally always bad. They've never there has been maybe one good playoff ever, and actually now that I think about it, no, there hasn't been. There's never been a good playoff. The original one was good. The there first was one, was one good. good game. It was good because your team won. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like you also had the like just it, it was really funny watching. I think there was some catharsis watching that Florida State team we all knew was bad, like yeah. shit its pants for an entire game against it, Oregon. It that wasn't, was like funny. Like, but it wasn't good. Jameis, and then, and Jameis then, fumbling on backwards on attempted passes three times or whatever it was, was like really, like he just had butterfingers. That's so funny. Like, what yeah. it, I mean, just an insane thing for a quarterback to develop a case of the butterfingers yeah. in one of the biggest games of his career. Very amusing. Yeah, the, the, um, the game was funny, but then the national championship was, I think, a snooze for anyone who was not rooting for Ohio State, basically. Um, I guess maybe the one with the Georgia Oklahoma, Oklahoma Rose game. Bowl was good because then that was the uh, the Alabama last second touchdown. That one was in the championship game. That one was okay, but yeah, they're mostly bad. They're largely bad. It's 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 fun to talk yeah. about ahead of time. It's fun to do the hypotheticals, but the actual playoff itself is going to stink because they always do. It's not it's not a format that is uh, that is conducive to good football games <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, anyway, Georgia sixteen, Kentucky six. I mean, Kentucky had nothing going on here. This is worth mentioning because it was a it was a you know a ten point game. Kentucky was knocking on the door near the end, but could not find any extra points. Uh, Georgia's offense continues to be sort of a little bit troubling. The passing attack was the one that did not work at all here. They actually ran the ball really well, but I I'm not again none of these. I don't think we're going to make huge judgments on. It's just that like Georgia's offense is limited in in some way. Georgia's offense is not. Even really, I don't think at the level that it was last season. Basically, is the is the takeaway, right? As it has been for much of this year. Yeah, fair. Um, I mean, the Georgia offense, especially like when you're playing a team that is competent uh, in in Kentucky, like it's, it's, like Kentucky has their problems. Their offense is horrendous to yes. watch, but like that defense is still disciplined and consistent and can hit. Like that that team can lay the lumber, right? That team has some crowbars in their hand when they're playing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Etc. And uh, uh, I mean, Georgia couldn't handle that, right? I don't think Georgia likes to be hit or hit. Uh, you can see that clearly in the game. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding, obviously. That's not my actual yeah. takeaway. But yeah. um, no, K- I mean. Kentucky's look, like, like, Kentucky's like if a bear was mowing the lawn or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I can't, I can't, I can't get in trouble this week. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you won't do, I won't, I'm sure that you won't get in trouble this week. I think that that's probably very likely. I'm doing my best, dude. I'm trying. I'm really trying right now. Uh, it, it's been very hard for uh-huh. me. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, look, okay. Uh, look, Georgia's offense, they really were able to run the ball a bit in this game. Kentucky's D-line's been a bit banged up uh, in the last couple weeks of the season. Um, but but this Georgia offense, like, like they cannot get separation against good coverage units. And it's not like Kentucky has an elite secondary or like that, but, like, I mean, these guys are not getting open. Uh, Lad McConkey had three catches for 28 yards. Brock Bowers had two for 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dominic Blaylock had two for 38. He was the best <laughs> receiver on the day, and that was one 35-yard catch. Um, Georgia had one reception on the day longer than 13 yards. Uh, just no downfield passing attack, no run after catch. They weren't getting space. They weren't getting open. They weren't creating opportunities. Um, I think some of that's just like a sleepy day from an otherwise good football team. But this Georgia offense also had a pretty precipitous fall in SP Plus for the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, uh, They were a solidly top 10 offense uh, at the midway point. I think they were like as high as eighth at one point. And now they're all the way in the low 20s. Yeah, um, They are, both them and Michigan, and I, we didn't talk about Michigan, but have had really uh, sharp fall off offensive production the last several weeks. Uh, and it's worth noting. I mean, they're they're not looking good right now. They're not they're not playing well. Um, I mean, they managed forty five against Mississippi State, but besides that, it was you know sixteen against Kentucky, uh, twenty seven against Tennessee. Uh, they only put up twenty six against Mizzou. Like th- they're putting up points on some bad teams, but like they're not consistently doing that against anybody. Um, I do think they'll beat LSU because LSU is a more one dimensional team than they are. But uh, man. There are some concerns, right? Like LSU's defense might have enough dudes to make this uh, make Georgia sweat in this game. Yeah, um, I think that's very possible uh, when that comes down in a couple of weeks. But but anyway, yeah. I mean, look, Georgia was never going to lose this game. Um, Kentucky just didn't cover opportunities. They, they had four chances in scoring position inside Georgia's thirty-five yard line and only got six points out of it. Um, Georgia had four chances inside Kentucky's thirty-five yard line and got sixteen points. That was the difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was uh, an interception, a turnover on downs, and a missed field goal for Kentucky, aside from their one touchdown. Uh, and Georgia just hit uh, three field goals and scored a touchdown. They, yep. they converted their chances, and, and Kentucky didn't. That was the whole game. Yep, pretty much. I uh, Yeah, I, I, I'm worried about Georgia's receiving core, which... Um... Yeah, obviously they're gonna they're gonna do this. They don't have top end talent for some reason. They don't have top end talent at receiver. They have not for, I mean, a while now. It has not been a that has not been a staple. I don't think of the Kirby Smart era is having very good receivers. Their tight ends are supremely yeah. talented, and we've seen moments of of really good play. And Brock Bowers has been very good this year, but they are still tight ends. And you do it is valuable to have guys on the outside who are burners, and they just don't. They just don't have that, and I, I think that that is definitely, uh, you know, another thing to keep an eye on. We're gathering more information on the teams that we expect will be filling the the final four, um, and it, it seems like the the read right now on a lot of these teams, uh, Georgia and Michigan specifically, is like, yeah, make them pass, make them beat you with their wide receivers because their wide receivers are not that good. Um, and Kentucky did that, and Kentucky did it well, but Kentucky could not, just could not finish, like you said, could not finish in the in the red zone, had a. What was it um, 9% red zone success rate? That's not going to do it. That's not going to get the job done against Georgia and uh, and comes up 10 points Jesus. short. The last one in this category, and then we're going to speed through the games that mattered for yeah, conference title Yeah, we are lollygagging today. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, last one in this category, I'm going to just sort of say, and then I'll let you talk about what happened here, but I'm going to I'm gonna rein you in if I need to to keep uh, keep this from okay. going 45 minutes long. There is an Ohio Thank State. Thank you, Chef. Yeah, there is an Ohio State-specific podcast that we, that we have uh, here at Meet at Midfield, High Street Freaks, if you are interested in more in-depth uh, discussion of this game, Ohio State 43, Maryland 30. 
All right, what's up? What what what's what's going on here? This was not as uh, as th- this was closer than the final score indicates because Ohio State had a very late defensive touchdown on a really incredible play from Zach Harrison. Uh, Maryland had the chance to go down and win this game with about two minutes left. Yeah, hundred percent, very true. Um, I think in the day Ohio State had basically just the whole first half they they completely wasted. Um, they came into this game with the starting running back Mayan Williams was injured and out for the game. Uh, and Trayvon Henderson is the is the number two. He came into season number one running back, number two now behind Maya Williams. Um, he was also banged up his first game back from injury in a couple of weeks and yeah. was expected to get a light workload. Uh, instead, they ran him 11 times in the first half. And basically, like every possession, he was getting a couple carries. Um, very bizarre. He looked terrible. Um, in the second half, they substituted him for uh, former fourth string running back, true freshman Dallin Hayden, who finished the game with 27 carries for 146 yards and three touchdowns. Looked great doing it. Very yeah. efficient runner. Um, basically, uh, Henderson is unable to execute the rushing attack. He bounces everything outside. He does not follow the blocking scheme. He has poor vision. Uh, he has poor cutting right now. He's in fight through tackles. He, he was a star last year who does a lot of things poorly. Um, he is a very fast player, very agile player who with his like, foot injury is not, um, he's not doing his job. Well, basically he, he yeah. can't, uh, plant right now. He can't cut. Um, he's not accelerating. Um, all the things his speed covered up are now not being covered up and he is falling on the tip chart because of it. Uh, Hayden made a star turn. There are some other problems this game. Like I, I think Ohio State's um, passing defense was pretty poor. Uh, you know, Dante Demas and, and Raheem Jarrett both went for over 65 yards. Um, they they kind of had a corner audition for a few of the game for part of the game. They were playing a lot of backups there. Yeah. Um, unclear why uh, everyone was healthy. But they just had a lot of second stringers rotate into this game. Saw a lot of snaps for guys like Tyler Friday who hasn't played all season. Uh, Jordan Hancock's been out for several weeks. Came in. Um, you know, Cam Martinez was playing heavily after being out for a few weeks. A lot of really weird, bizarre personnel choices. Uh, then Ohio State yeah. was up two scores that don't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and it led to some huge, you know, plays being given up. They like kind of those backups are undisciplined. They don't look good. Um, I don't think I take anything away from it. Like, I don't think anyone else on the schedule for Ohio State, as funny as to say, has the receiver or passing talent of Maryland. Like, maybe this would be a problem against USC if USC makes the playoff and plays Ohio State, but. Um, I'm not scared of USC, you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, but either way, like uh, it's concerning the fact that Ohio State's corners look that bad with that kind of rotation and that the, the defense kind of made some stupid plays they haven't made in months, but I don't think it changes my thoughts on their run defense or what else they do kind of as a program. Um, shitty, weird game is happening against Maryland 2018 too, with Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. Um, so it goes, won the game uh, by two scores, largest margin of victory of any top five team this week. So, mm-hmm. you know. We'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I think the thing that you would take from this is is the same that you would take, like I said earlier, from the other three games in this category, which is that, yeah, the weaknesses that we thought about these teams coming in were the issue largely for this week. You know, Ohio State's cornerbacks have been a concern for a lot of this season, and they were a concern here. They've struggled a lot with the underneath passes. Um, this was sort of the game where Maryland's passing attack was able to stretch its legs, which is not, not really what you want if you're Ohio State, because... Um, <clears throat> most teams have been able to prevent that from happening because Maryland's passing attack is actually not good is the thing. Maryland's passing attack is one of those yeah. sort of those barometers for like, have you watched Maryland? Because it's not good. Is the thing. <laughs> They put up a lot of numbers, but it's not good. Um, and Ohio State was not really able to handle a lot of those those pretty basic passing concepts, which is troubling for the talent of the cornerback room less than it is for the scheme. I think the scheme is fine. Um, 
and then also the rushing attack, the offensive rushing attack, and and that sort of rounded into form when when Hayden was in the game. But I think situa- situationally, again, as it has been for fucking what five years now at Ohio State, however long it's been since Ryan Day has been at Ohio State, uh, situationally, just weird play calls at times, just refusing to ride the hot hand, um, seemingly changing his approach on the fly, not really having an understanding of like what he actually wants to be accomplishing just just weird weird weirdness within the offense uh some troubles in the backfield uh defensively that has been the story for ohio state is that they have uh infinite talent on offense they've done the infinite money glitch from gta on offense and they still just like they can't really get out of the first gear sometimes and it just feels sort of janky and and weird and just purely play calling too it's the most frustrating part like they're occasionally have a player who's fucking up like like trey henderson was just bad uh, it needs to be benched, but like by and large, it's just bad play calling. Like it's always that. It's the same. It's the same. It's like just calling plays that the personnel can't execute and don't make any sense when you have other plays they can't execute that fill the same need. Yeah. Uh, and not calling the good plays. It does. Yep. It's it's baffling. Folks, we love to call the good plays and we hate to call the bad ones. Uh, games that mattered for conference title races in the AAC: Navy wins seventeen to fourteen at UCF. Houston wins 42-3 to at ECU, uh, Tulane and Cincinnati handle SMU and Temple, respectively. Uh, don't have anything to th- say about the latter three. Those three teams all remain still in contention, and now, what, Cincinnati and Tulane are in the in the driver's seat, although they have to play. So the, the race, the, the race here is complicated. The game I want to talk about it, it briefly is UCF-Navy. Uh, UCF, brother. Tried to tell you, play a quarterback. They started, They went to Mikey Keene in the second half, and it started to work a whole lot better than it did with John Reese Plumley. You got to have a quarterback. It's important that you have a quarterback in college football. Uh, usually, just having a running back back there is not going to get the job done. And uh, yeah, you lost to Navy. Good job. Good job, Chip, Chip Lindsey. Seems like you're really doing a good job there, and that everybody is very happy with your performance. Everyone's taking UCF very seriously, and they're headed to the New Year's Six, and they're not going to fuck it up against Navy. Um, yeah, there's not a serious program. Not not a program to be taken seriously, to be looked at, to be thought about. They are unserious. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, it's a it's a horrendous loss. Uh, also, I mean, Navy just doing a vintage Navy performance that being a bad Navy team. I mean, yeah. threw the ball one time in this game. Just just took care of business. Um, they just they just rock their shit, man. Yep. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's nothing else to say about it, right? Like UCF didn't show up. Navy did. Um, for, in terms of the AAC race, you reference here. Yeah, Tulane Cincinnati both won against SMU and Temple respectively over the weekend. Um, so t- Tulane Cincinnati will play this weekend, I believe, in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, yeah, Cincinnati. Um, which the winner of that game will get home field advantage in the AAC title game. Um, the loser of that game, if UCF wins its final game at USF, will be eliminated. Yeah. If UCF loses uh, and Houston wins their final game uh, against Tulsa, it comes down to the loser of Tulane and Cincy and Houston. Insane. Um, and that, and that is based on a, that is based on a proprietary, a proprietary aggregation of various polls, right? And computer rankings as well. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very bizarre because yeah. there's no head. Houston hasn't played any of other teams. There's no head to head factor. Yeah. Um, which is very annoying. Uh, also the idea of Houston getting rewarded this season by somehow ending up in the AAC title game is pathetic. Yeah. Uh, can't I, be allowed to, ha- I'm sure it won't happen. Like every yeah. computer poll, every human poll would have Tulane and Cincy ahead of Houston, even if they lose another game. But just the idea that it could happen is infuriating. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's really any way that that's going to be 
<clears throat> something that we need to worry about. That would be my guess is that that is not going to come to pass, but um, it is technically Houston is still in the running, but I, I don't know. I don't know how that would come about. I don't, I just, I, I cannot picture a yeah, blowout where, loss. And other yeah. Houston blowout yeah. I mean like yeah. a devastating level of blowout loss, like a, like a 66 to 56, nothing. 10, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, a, <laughs> just a dominant, like I, it would take, it would take a lot. It would take a lot for that to happen. I don't see it as likely. And then also you would need USF or USF to beat UCF, which, which is just, isn't going to happen. Yeah. Right? Probably is not so, going to happen. Um, so we're, we're looking at realistically, it's going to be UCF traveling to the winner of Tulane's Cincinnati is the, yeah. is the AAC title game. Yeah. Which the fun, fun matchup this week, looking forward to that Tulane Cincinnati game, uh, big 12, yep. Texas beats the shit out of Kansas, Kansas state handles West Virginia. Uh, Kansas state remains in the driver's seat, but Texas is sort of lurking. Texas is the last team that's still alive. That isn't Kansas state or TCU, right? Correct. TCU has booked. They, they have already clinched a playoff yep. bid ahead of their game against Iowa State. Not, not quite a playoff uh, Texas, bid, but they have clinched a championship. Sorry, bid. sorry, sorry. <laughs> a, a, a conference title bid. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Texas uh, beat Kansas State head-to-head, but they have three losses in conference. Kansas State has two. Yep. So if Kansas State loses to Kansas in the final week of the season and Texas beats... Who do they play, Patrick? I don't remember who they play. That's a great question. Um, that's is a, it Baylor? That, I think it's... No, it's not. They just played Baylor. That's a really... Um, that's actually a very good question. And there's actually no <laughs> way to know for sure. They play, they play Baylor. They play Baylor. Oh, okay. Um, so <clears throat> uh, if they were to beat Baylor and Kansas State were to lose to Kansas, which is not that insane to think, uh, Texas would end up in the Big 12 title game and play TCU. Um, if Kansas State beats Kansas, they will book the other spot against TCU. Yeah. So um, that's what it comes down to here. Yeah, Texas beat the shit out of Kansas, but no one. It's like it's a classic Sarkeesian team doing well. Yeah. After it doesn't matter anymore. Who cares? Yeah. Can, you, yeah. Mean, Kansas has clinched a bowl bid. It has succeeded this season. It's. It's. I'm. I'm not too torn up about it. I. I get it. Um, Kansas State. I'm going to guess is probably not going to lose to Kansas. Uh, I'm. I'm. As much as I love Kansas, as much as I love Lance Leipold, I am hoping that Kansas State does not fuck that up because I don't want to see Texas play anymore. I don't want to see them in the championship game. I just, I don't want that shit. I'm tired of these guys. I don't like watching them. They're not fun for me to watch. I would much rather see Kansas State play TCU if we're going to see a rematch, uh, which it's always going to be in this this current iteration of the Big 12 because they all play each other. Um, let's hope that Kansas State does not fuck this up because I just I don't want to see Texas again. I'm not interested in it. I am good on Texas. Uh, Pac-12... Uh, with USC in the other spot, Oregon wins against Utah 20-17, to 17, and Washington takes care of business against Colorado, so it's going to come down to this week. Um, if, Oregon lose, if Oregon loses to Oregon State and Washington beats, is it Washington State? Washington State. Then, uh, yep. then, Washington, then Washington would get the spot. If Oregon wins or Washington, or, or Washington loses, uh, Oregon gets the spot, basically, is, is how, it, how it breaks down. Um, not a ton to say about either one of these games. Washington does what it needs to do. Oregon just sort of uh, doesn't lose slightly better than Utah does. Um, neither team really deserved to win this game, I don't think. But uh, Oregon is the one who ends up with the larger number than than Utah did. Yeah, really weird game just in terms of style of play from Oregon, too. I mean, the defense has been horrendous all season. Their offense has been brilliant, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. Yeah, uh, And just winning a defensive rock fight like this. Weird game. I mean, just a classic pack them off for dark. No one was watching kind of situation. Um, bizarre game for sure. But the win's a win. Still have a chance, that, I mean, to win the to win the Pac-12, which is very impressive for Dan Lane his first year, um, especially with kind of some 
uh, you know, a lot of transfers out of that program, a lot of, a lot of kind of moving parts there. I was pretty impressed with how, I mean, if Dan Laddie managed to win the conference here, it's a good season. Yeah. And likewise for Phelan DeBoer too. I mean, Washington has a chance here to still make this and he's had a fantastic first year too. I think with much harder conditions that Lanning faced. So yeah. uh, impressive by both guys. Uh, no comment on Lincoln Riley at this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward to that one play out. I expect it should be Oregon, but I mean, a road trip to Oregon State is not a small thing. No. Oregon State's been... Yeah. All this season, that's an eight and three football team that badly wants to win that rivalry. And yeah, uh, Jonathan Smith has a nasty group of guys there. So I'm looking forward to that game. That's one of the best games of next weekend. Yeah. Uh, Apple yeah. Cup, I'm not, I'm pretty low on Wazoo right now. I don't think they look very good lately. Yeah. Um, They're fine. So They're, not, they, they are, yeah. they are Washington State. They look about like a Washington State team does. Um, yeah. Man, there's a lot of really good matchups this week. We'll talk about it on the watch list, but uh, it's, it's going to be very fun. It's going to be a very fun week of football. Um, in the Big Ten, West Iowa beats Minnesota 13 to 10. Um, rock fight, obviously, it is what you would think it is. Any pass in this game was a policy failure. Pretty much exclusively should have been on the ground, and the ultimately Iowa wins it with a late field goal. Uh, and Purdue beats Northwestern 17 to nine after Illinois loses to Michigan. Uh, so we are down basically to Purdue and Iowa, right? We are. It might not be even be basically. Uh, it just is. I think the, the scenario is that if Iowa beats Nebraska, they are in. Uh, if Iowa loses to Nebraska and and Purdue beats Indiana on the road for the Old Oakham bucket, Purdue is in. If both Iowa and Purdue lose and Illinois beats Northwestern, Illinois is in. Okay. Um, those mm. are the only three scenarios. Yeah. So well, Illinois that... win. Illinois, or sorry, Iowa win. Iowa goes. Yeah. Iowa loss and Purdue win. Purdue goes. Iowa and Purdue law lose and Illinois wins. Illinois goes. Yeah. So. So it's going to so probably going to be Iowa then probably going to be Iowa in the Big Ten West probably going to be Iowa Black yeah. Friday game against Nebraska safe to say it should be them yeah um, we are on to the Sun Belt Patrick uh, South Alabama won twenty seven twenty at Southern Miss and Troy won thirty four to sixteen over UL Monroe um, Coastal has already won the East they were they did not play this weekend their game was canceled because of uh, they were scheduled to play Virginia and of yeah. course the, the tragedy happened at Virginia um, so, so the other action was the West here with South Alabama like I said won instead of Troy. Um, that sets up a finale where if Troy wins their final game, um, I'm pulling up their opponent right now. Uh, Arkansas they are State. In. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> South Alabama, if Troy loses against Arkansas State, which is very unlikely, um, and South Alabama wins their game, uh, that will be uh, the matchup there. They will go on to play Coastal. If you may recall, South Alabama lost to Troy um, during the season at home. One of the best weeknight games of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, South Alabama plays Old Dominion in the regular season finale at home. Yep. Um, Good, good couple of good matchups here. I mean, two good teams. They're both going to finish with 10 wins, probably. Uh, they only have one loss in conference. Um, for South Alabama, it was Detroit. Uh, and Detroit lost to, was it, did they play Coastal? They lost to App State earlier. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they lost on um, the Hail Mary. Yeah, it, it is honestly, it's, it's, right. it's a bummer how close we were both these teams being 11 and 1. Um, cause yeah. Troy lost on the, on the Hail Mary and South Alabama lost at the last second to UCLA. Um, Troy was also, this league is so much better than the AAC. It's, it's, it's so unbelievable. It's so much fucking better where like Southern Miss is, is like legitimately very good and capable and, and, uh, App State is, well, App, never mind. Fuck App State. Uh, I'm sick. Yeah, of, I'm sick. Sucks. I'm sick of their shit. That's it. <laughs> that sucks. But even, um, I guess, even like, even though App State and Marshall were huge disappointments this year, they both got huge road power five wins yeah. against, uh, Texas and M Day. Yeah, like they are. They are much. Fifteen talent. Yeah, they are much better than the mid that the AAC has, which is like ECU 
and Memphis and, 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 you know, teams like that, they are much better than that. I think App State or yeah. Marshall would handle Memphis pretty easily. Um, yeah, Sunbelt's going to be going to be fun to watch this last weekend. I would guess that Troy is going to win it. Um, one hell of a... I think probably win the whole thing, too. I think they're going to be Coastal. If Coastal doesn't have Grayson McCall, I think that that is a, uh, not necessarily a foregone conclusion, but certainly a fair assumption. Um, if it does have yeah. Grayson McCall, that's a banger. That is a game that you need to watch on Championship Week, because that is, that is fantastic. Um, but one hell of a, an opening season for John Sumrall. I don't know what more you could possibly want out of year one from him. Uh, that team is fantastic. Really, really impressed with, with everything that they have done here, where they have... Not only they have won big games, they have gone and, and, you know, beaten Western Kentucky. They obviously beat South Alabama. They have won these important matchups, but also just taking care of business. When they had it, you know, they had it in their destiny. They, they had the control of their destiny. They could just win the division by winning out. They've gone and done it so far. And that is, uh, that is hard to do. It is Legitimately, it is hard to do. I know that these opponents are not terribly impressive. Like UL Monroe is not impressive, but... You have to still go win the games, and it's easier said than done, and they have gone and done it so far. Um, yeah, I think we'll be talking a lot about, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I know we got to go, but yeah. I, I think we'll be talking a lot about John Summerall this offseason too. Uh, obviously, he's not a coaching candidate this year after his first season, but does this again next year? Yeah. Uh, man, I think a lot of teams are going to come calling because this guy, what a meteoric rise, too. He had three years as a Power 5 assistant, one year as a non-play calling co-DC in a Power 5 team, Kentucky, yeah. and then first year as a head coach, he's going to go you know, might go 11 and two with the conference title. Very mm-hmm. possible. Um, crazy. Yeah. His only could. losses, he had, a, he had a four point loss to a ranked Ole Miss team uh, and a four point loss in a Hail Mary to App State. Yeah. <laughs> it would be his only two losses if he, if he wins out. Yeah. And again, one, once again, big credit and big congratulations to Gus Malzahn uh, and UCF on hiring Chip Lindsay. It <laughs> seems like he did really well at Troy. And so you got to be really happy about having that guy as an offensive coordinator. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Mountain West is settled. Boise State will represent the Mountain after beating Wyoming 20 to 17. Um, come from behind win. Good win for Boise, who. Uh, I don't know. They pulled it together. They figured out what they needed to do. The defense has been very good this year. The offense is still fucking garbage, but the defense is good enough that it hasn't mattered because uh, the Mountain West is in a very, very, very down year. Uh, and then out of the West is Fresno State, which locked it up with a win over Nevada, I think. It was one of those teams. It was one of the uh, shitty teams at the question. bottom of the league. They, yeah, they played um, Nevada. They won 41-14 at Nevada. Yeah, Nevada um, is, uh, I, I will say, we talked about this briefly. I'm just going to mention here. They are the worst of the bunch, which is saying something because that bunch includes Hawaii and Colorado. Colorado State and New Mexico. Nevada is the pit. They are awful, awful, awful football team. Yeah. Nothing going on there. Um, yeah, so the uh, the Mountain West is settled. It should be a fun game. Boise State, Fresno State. Yeah. I'm excited to see Boise's defense against Jake Hayner. Uh, should be good. I think Fresno State's probably going to win, but we will monitor yeah. the situation. Worth noting they did play earlier in the year that uh, that Fresno did lose 40-20 to 20 at Boise uh, in October, yeah. but they did not have Jake Hayner uh, yeah. during that game. It was after he got injured. Um, also, Fresno has a what should be a good game against Wyoming this weekend too. Mm. Uh, they play Wyoming, but but I mean, I don't we'll know see. if they're going to play their starters if it matters at all. Because yeah. I, what do you, what do you gain from it? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see that with Boise State too, because I will be there to watch them play Utah State. I'm curious, like, do you play your starters in this game? You have nothing to play for. You're not. You're already locked in. You're not playing for a New Year's Six bid. If you win the conference, you're going to. Are go you? To your, I, like, I don't know. It's like a ten and three Boise State. If some things break correctly, maybe has a chance. Like I don't know. No. It, like, Man, no, it would take it would take a lot because the AAC is. I, mean, I think the Sun Belt champ, even if the AAC champ doesn't get it, the Sun Belt champ would have it over Boise. But yeah, because yeah, the Sun Belt, know, you can finish ranked. The Sun Belt champ is teams. almost certainly going to have what 
two losses maximum, basically, uh, unless some crazy yeah. shit happens no, this correct. week. Yeah. Um, and uh, the AAC would probably produce a two-loss champion, I think. I guess it could be three if UCF was able to pull off an upset. But, um, no, I... I, I I mean, I'm sure that that's going to be the thinking internally and that they will play their actual guys. But I personally, I probably wouldn't, honestly, if I was the head coach of either of these teams, just keep your guys healthy. You know, you're, you're playing for the LA bowl. That's your, that's your thing. That's what you're doing here. That's the ultimate achievement here. If you, if you win the conference title is to win the conference title and then you get to go play a PAC 12 team in the LA bowl. Um, don't hurt your quarterback. Don't, don't, don't put your players in harm's way for the sake of a game that does not mean anything. Um, yeah. but I know coaches don't think like that and that's not going to happen. So, uh, and then lastly here in the Mac, uh, which we don't get to talk about a ton because of the times that the game happened, that the games happen. Uh, but Ohio beats ball state 32, 18 and Bowling green beats Toledo 42, 35. The latter does not matter for the West. Toledo has already sealed that up, but it does matter for the East because it sets up a uh, play-in game for the East title here between Bowling Green and Ohio. Not, not quite. It's not quite? No. Uh, in fact, if Bowling Green... I have the full scenario on the board. It's uh, There's an uneven number of games because uh, because Buffalo had to cancel their game this past weekend because of the snow against okay. Akron. Yeah. So Buffalo uh, uh, will only be able to go as high as 5-2, and two, whereas even if Bowling Green wins, they will finish 6-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, In the conference, uh, you might want to double-check my math, but it's something like they'll finish the same number of losses but unequal number of wins. Yeah. Uh, so Ohio will win the East if it wins against Bowling Green. It's a play-in game for Ohio. But if Ohio loses and Buffalo wins against Kent State on Saturday, mm. uh, then Buffalo will advance the title game ahead of Bowling Green um, based on the uneven games tiebreaker policy. I don't. Um, I I don't much care for that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Buffalo beat Bowling Green. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if if Ohio and Buffalo both lose, then Bowling Green goes to the MAC title. So there are three teams still alive. But I, I mean, you can. I mean, it's also like Buffalo would not have lost to Akron, right? But no. But there's it still, still sucks. Yeah. yeah. That that uh, that sucks. I don't. I'm pulling up. I I'm pulling up the I exact much, policy. Yeah. I don't much uh, care for that. I I think that uh, I, I I don't know. I think not playing a game is sort of should not be a benefit for you that you you should be like you should be in the clear by not playing a game i appreciate that the weather was what it was but i don't love the idea of well they get to remain you know in it because they didn't play a game like i don't i don't know about that i think that there probably should be at least some sort of repercussions for not playing one of your 12 games there's only 12 games we don't get that many a year your sample size is going to be one smaller i don't know i don't know about all that yeah, I'm pulling up the article right here on the ubbulls.com, the Push Buffalo website. Um, so it says that the tiebreaker scenario in a game where uh, Bowling Green beats Ohio and Buffalo beats Kent State, um, that Buffalo, well, let's see, what is this shit? First tiebreaker is head to head record among tied teams. They all split it one to one in this scenario. The second tiebreaker is winning percentage versus ranked division opponents top to bottom. Okay. Uh, and Miami is guaranteed to finish behind them. They all each beat Miami, but both Bowling Green and Ohio lost to Kent State. Well, Buffalo would have defeated Kent State. Okay. So it would go down to Kent State. Okay. Um, so that's that's the math on it. Yeah, it's I love I love weird shit like this, dude. I also like I know it's bad, kind of that like the sport works this way and there's no consistency. But yeah. I kind of like that like every league has their own tiebreakers and like you just don't know which one's most important. <laughs> yeah, like you'll just have one year you'll have Dave Aranda uh, being incentivized to, like run up the score like, against Oklahoma State and mm-hmm. like you know points that shouldn't matter. And the next year you're gonna have 
uh, you know, you're going to have like Buffalo be incentivized to cancel a game against Akron to protect its chances for, for yeah. a conference title. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I love it. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Well, uh, I don't think that Bowling Green's going to win anyway, so it is a play in game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it has it has major East implications. We'll say uh, in Athens on Tuesday night that should be a really fun game. I think Ohio is flat out significantly better than Bowling Green is, and I think Ohio is going to win. But Bowling Green has gotten this far, so we'll see. Um, and then last up here, category that we're just going to roll through just to mention games that were very funny or interesting. Uh, Vanderbilt thirty-one, Florida twenty-four. Um, I mean, we're going to be tired. We're going to be tired of winning folks. We're going to get tired of winning. It's you're going to win so much. You're not going to even want to win anymore. Um, this is great. This is very, very funny. Congratulations to Vanderbilt on a really honestly good season for them. Very, very good season for them. This is their fifth win. They could, if they beat Tennessee, go to a bowl game. They're not going to, but um, I mean, shit. Tennessee's playing with Joe Milton, dude. Like, I, yeah, I, I, Tennessee I don't is think playing anything with, should be Tennessee is playing with Joe Milton. Um, Vanderbilt has multiple SEC wins this season. Multiple SEC wins. Uh, that is a huge back to back. Yeah, yeah, that is a huge accomplishment for for Clark Lee that they have multiple SEC wins, given where they were last year and where they were before that. Um, really, really good season for them. I'm, I'm and, and not just that very too. Like for them, they they got a road win against Kentucky. They beat Florida. Uh, they were in a tight game with South Carolina. It ended up being a it ended up being an eleven point game. It was tighter than that for the whole game. But it yeah. just was kind of late score by South Carolina. Uh, and they went on the road and almost beat Missouri in their house. Like they could have won four straight if a couple balls bounced differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the SEC, which is fucking crazy. Like it's, I'm not trying to be a Clark Lee guy over here. There's enough media cheerleaders because of his relationship with Barton Simmons. But yeah. Um, you know. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it deserves props, even if it is sort of you know you don't want to you don't want to lean too hard into it. It is a five and six season at a power five team, but um, yeah, if they beat Tennessee, I just I think that this is very funny. They would finish uh, fourth in the SEC East. Good conference. <laughs> seems like they've got seems like they've got a, go, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff out there because they would be three and five tied with Florida and Kentucky, both of whom they beat. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff going on in the SEC East. Um, I'll stay in the SEC briefly, and then we have one in the ACC as well. Arkansas 42, Ole Miss 27. It was nowhere near this close. Ole Miss sort of tacked on a bunch of points there at the end. Um, yeah, it was 42-6 within one minute after halftime. Jesus Christ. Um, just an ass beating. Just an absolute ass beating. Sam Pittman's boys just went out there and really kind of opened up a opened up a can on them. Well, and the funny part is here is uh, that Ole Miss outgained Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you clocked that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to pull up the actual stats right now. But I'm curious. Like over 600. I'm curious how many of those came in the fourth quarter when they were just kind of oh, frantically I'm sure it was a ton. <laughs> but but Ole Miss scoring. Finished, in fact, Ole Miss finished with 703 yards. Jesus this game. Christ, that's a lot yeah, of yards. 463 <laughs> rushing. That's a lot of yards. That's uh, huh. yeah. That's seems like a maybe lot you should, of yards. seems like maybe you should have scored more than 27 points with 700 yards. Yeah, that's come not, on, guys. That's, He's 20, that's really bad. Twenty-seven points. <laughs> they uh, they fumbled once in a drive. They settled for a field goal. They missed a field goal. Another one had a yeah. touch an interception in Arkansas territory once. Fumbled again. Uh, they turned it over on downs Arkansas territory. Then before they scored three straight touchdowns in the game. Yeah, they Just, al- yeah, comedy of errors. They also had twelve penalties for one hundred and sixteen yards here. Uh, Auburn, you like what you see? You want to you want to get in on this? You, is this what you're looking for here? Because this is uh, this is some really impressive football there being played by Ole Miss. Uh, and then last one, Louisville twenty five, NC State ten. Um, 
Louisville kind of having a pretty good season here, all, all things yeah, considered. They, they have they have uh, they have put it together here after <laughs> after the public announcement that Scott Satterfield was going to be fired if he lost a game. I believe they have only lost once, and it was to Clemson uh, because they are. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Yeah, they have won four of their last or five of their last six here. They they yeah they're uh, seven and four now yeah, in the year. Clemson. Yeah, they're. Uh, Bill Connolly also highlighted them as one of the biggest risers in SP Plus for the last half of the season. Um, they've been very good. Yeah, uh, and it's it's improved. it's not even that they're like just winning close. Like they beat Virginia by 17 on the road, Pitt by 14 at home. Uh, they crushed Wake Forest, obviously. James Madison by 24, and then they just win this game by 15. Like they've been convincing even in their in their wins. Yeah, they are who they should have been early. Like, but the, I guess the, the, my problem here is like a team that was this veteran as much experience they brought back on both sides of the ball yeah. should not have took this long to figure it out. They should have been this team from the start of a year, in which case they have a chance to win like nine or 10 games. Yeah. That's the potential they had. They just, they flubbed it. Dude, um, it, it is, it, it, it's going to cause it's, it's psychically damaging to look at Louisville's schedule. Um, because do you remember they, they very, very nearly beat Florida state. They had a chance to win that one near the end. Um, and then they lost to Boston college by one point. Uh, if they won those games, we would be talking about a, uh, a potentially a, te- a 10 and two Louisville this season. Yeah. Um, man, <laughs> man, guys probably should have done that. Probably should have won those games instead of losing them. But yeah, they have figured a lot of things but, out offensively yeah. and they, they look, they look much better than they did. I also mostly want to bring this up too, because there was some confusion online. I noticed with, with, you know, folks responding to our podcast or me personally. Yeah. Um, we did renounce NC state just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. Uh, NC state, not, we're no longer fans of them. They are not, uh, you know, an affiliate of this podcast. Uh, they are, we are no longer in love with them. We're never going to like them again. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, you know, DJ, our, our good buddy, DJ Burns, uh, in his hometown, they have a saying, they, they say DWI, which is done with you. Uh, when they're done with somebody, we are DWI with, uh, with, with the NC State and Dave Doran. Don't need him around me anymore. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want to laugh at their pain for losing this game. Yeah. Fuck as, these as, guys. as soon as, as Devin Leary went down, the, uh, the, the, our, our, all of the things that we said about NC State before this season were null and void. That was it. That was the end of it. Mm-hmm. There's not, none of that can apply now. Uh, the Boston College loss is not real. This is not real. None of it has anything to do with what we said. We were still right. It's just that they were wrong. Uh, and yep. that is the stance of this podcast on everything. Anything that does not go exactly how we said, we were right. It was just that the teams were wrong. They should have played better. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's the flipping the field promise right there. Ryan, anything else before we get out of here? No, we should go. It's, it's a late pod, dude. Yeah, it's a late pod. All right, we will see you guys. The uh, The good ones, the ones who we like, we'll see you on the premium show. The rest of you will see on the watch list.